0: I love it here. It's
1: good, isn't it? It is good. You don't understand. I go to lots of churches, and I'm like, it's good here, and I'm lying, yeah. <laughs> it really is good here, yeah. Now, um, I'm Scottish, and that was a little uh, interesting reaction. I says I'm Scottish, and I'm, ooh, and. I, uh, yesterday, I was trying my best. I was trying to support England. I was. I was. And um, I have this problem because I'm married to Tamsin, who's from London. Both my kids were born in Yorkshire. And uh, every four years, I have a problem because my family want me to support England in the Football World Cup. And I try. I really try. It's... Hard, but I try. Normally, England is very kind and get knocked out nice and early. <laughs> Thank you for that. And last year was difficult because England did amazing and got right through to the semi-final against Croatia. And um, on the day of the game, my son is going, Dad, you've got to support England. I'm like, I'm trying, son. I phoned my dad up. Now my dad is a Scottish minister, he's been in Scotland 40 years, and I phoned him up and I says, Dad, are you gonna support England against Croatia? And my dad said, son, all of the Scottish churches are singing, I am a new Croatian. And I thought, wow, that, that is not united, is it? That is. Terrible, terrible. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I love this church because you guys um, really get alongside me and, and, you know, you partner with me. um, Which means that you kind of sponsor me to allow me to go to places where I can take the gospel to the most unlikely place. And I want to say thank you for that, because, you know, you believe in what I'm doing, and I feel and sense your support. This summer, we were at the Edinburgh Fringe, right there, next to the Royal Mile, and we were doing this show, and we were so excited that most of the nights we did it, we were sold out. And right, yeah, it's so great. And right there. In the biggest comedy festival of the world, we are getting the opportunity, there I am, preaching the gospel. I'm talking about Jesus on the cross. I'm talking about how people can connect with God. That's exciting, isn't it? And it's so wonderful, and thank you. And I'm getting lots of opportunities to take the gospel to many different places. And I'm realizing that many times I'm standing up and, you know, 70 to 80% of the crowd are not yet Christian. And so I really wanted to just kind of say that every Thursday we, we put out a prayer email. It's only short, but it kind of tells people where I am and asks for prayer. Maybe you're someone who thinks, do you know what, Mark? I would love to pray for you. Well, we're going to have the cards at the front. You can grab a prayer card. Just sign up on the the website and we'd love you to get those emails and just put a few prayers up because, you know, I'm so aware that I'm standing in enemy's territory, but I'm a light in the darkness and I'm communicating Jesus. Amen. 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 Brilliant. Well, listen um. thank you. We're going to look at the, the Bible and we're going to look at a story from Jesus in, in, sorry, in Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. My message today is do not cover your eyes. Do not cover your eyes. Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. This is what the Bible says. In reply, Jesus said, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, look after him he said and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers and the expert in the law replied the one who had mercy on him and Jesus told him go and do likewise amazing story that Jesus tells here Amazing story of how there's someone on the side of the road who is beaten up, bust, and broken. And how, you know, there are those who cover their eyes. They look away. They don't want to look at this horrible scene. They don't want to do it because of the emotion it might evoke inside of them. And you know, friends, I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church today and is saying, do not cover your eyes. We have got such a broken generation. We have got people who are ripped apart and devastated by the enemy. Often I'm coming across people who are so demolished, so absolutely ripped apart by the enemy. And you know there are some in the church who want to cover their eyes. They don't want to look on the brokenness. They don't want to look upon the devastation. A few months ago I was telling a story in church About a young girl, she's a prostitute and how her life has been bust and broken and I talked about how she's found Jesus. And in this preach I was talking about how, you know, when you were on your way to church there were some girls that were going to bed after having given their bodies in such a devastating way. And somebody spoke to me at the end and said that was a good talk but I don't come to church to hear about prostitutes. Oh, friends, we must not cover our eyes. We must not put our hands over our ears and pretend that devastation is not happening. We must not like look and think, well, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to look at that. I I just want to live in my nice little comfortable church world. God is speaking to us that we would look upon the brokenness. We would look upon the devastation and allow it to convict us and to compel us to do something about it. Yeah, that we would be challenged at the very root of our soul. That we would be like, God, we want to make a difference in this generation. You see, these men crossing the road Didn't want to get involved, didn't want to get involved. And it's so easy for us to have that kind of mindset. We're busy, we've got a lot going on and we don't know what kind of mess we're going to find ourselves dealing with if we start working with people that are so broken and hurting and aching. But God is speaking to us and saying, that is not an option. We're not allowed to cross the road. We're not allowed to put our hands over our eyes or over our ears. We must look and see the devastation. Um, Many of you will remember the famous story of Costa Concordia, which was the um, huge uh, ship that crashed into the rocks. And some of you will remember that the Italian captain of the ship got his crew members together and they zipped up each other's life jackets and they got into the boat and they sailed away. Some of you will remember that there were still children and women and men dying on that boat when the boat sailed away. And there are these powerful exchanges between the Coast Guard And the captain of that ship. And the Coast Guard, it's all in Italian, but when it's translated, you understand that the Coast Guard is saying to the captain, Go back to the wreckage. And the captain is saying things like, It's dark, it's cold, it's frightening, I need to get away from that. And the Coast Guard is speaking so powerfully and saying, You need to go back. To the wreckage. Most of you know that they didn't. The captain and his crew, they sailed away and left many to die. The captain is now in prison. And friends, I honestly believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us as the church and is saying, Church, we must go back to the wreckage, we must go back to the broken. We must go back to the devastated and the ruined. It's not good enough for us as the church to say, oh, oh, it's too frightening. We don't want this. This, this is upsetting. We just want to be in our lovely, comfortable church. We just want to sail away, zipping up each other's life jackets, singing songs of wonderful grace. And God is speaking to us at the very root of our being. And he's saying, you must go back to the wreckage. We must go to the ruined. We must go to the devastated. We must go to the marginalized. We must go to the lonely, to those who feel like they've not got a friend in the world. We've got to say, no, you have got a friend. We are your friend.'" It's like, oh, God, it's going to cost us something, but we are going to go back. We are not just going to sail away and let a generation go to hell. I I get passionate about this because, friends, I I go to churches and, and I know they don't like my preaching because they don't like me disturbing their lovely church world. And it can be so easy that, I remember when I was in America, an American Christian, he came up to me and he was excited because he says, wonderful news, I've now found a Christian hairdresser so I don't have to meet any non-Christians from one Sunday to the next Sunday. And I remember thinking in my head, Lord, do you mind looking the other way? Because I want to headbutt this man (laughs) in the face. God had to deal with me on that. But the thing is, how have we missed the message so bad that we're like, oh, it's something to celebrate that we don't meet anyone that is not at church from one Sunday to the next. Friends, God is looking for us to befriend and to help and to encourage the broken and the lost. You see, it's going to take courage. We must be brave. I love that, you know, this Samaritan, he, he had no idea what, what was going to cost him. He, he, he saw the man on the side of the road, but if he gets involved, you know, the, the, the story that Jesus told, it was on a very dangerous, treacherous road. Maybe this was a trap. Maybe this was a plan that he would go and help, and then he would get beaten up. He didn't know, but He had to take courage. And I'm speaking to our soul today that we must take courage. I am. I preached like this, and last year I got two emails on the same day. And one email was from a church in Burgess Hill that I've spoken at before. They look after me really well, it's got a lovely little green room that they look after. It's lovely. And the other email that happened on the same day was from a pub in Belfast. And they both wanted the same weekend. And the pub in Belfast, the minister says, we're going to do this in one of the toughest Belfast pubs. He says, there's every chance if you start preaching the gospel, which is exactly what we want you to do. When you start preaching the gospel, there's every chance that you will get hit violently hit. I'm reading this email thinking, this guy is not selling it to me. Do you know what I'm saying? He's writing this. I read both the emails and I think, do you know what? I feel the Lord is leading me to that lovely church in Burgess Hill. Yeah? I feel that's what the Lord is saying. I told my guy in the office, I says, I, 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 we'll do that. Bird. He goes, is that what you really think? I says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that whole day, I'm driving around, I'm doing my business, I'm, and God's speaking to me. God's saying things to me like, don't be talking about this stuff on a microphone, and then don't, not do it yourself. And God's saying to me, go to that pub in Belfast. And I'll be honest with you, I'm in my car going, you go to that pub in Belfast. <laughs> don't ask me, you go. All day. And I got in about four o'clock. I said to Kieran, I says, Have you sent that email yet? He says, No. I says, Listen, I need to go to that pub in Belfast. And so I did. And it would be amazing if I told you that the Holy Spirit came into the pub. Men were crying. They ran to the front to be saved. That would be such a good story, wouldn't it? That's not what happened. <laughs> I did my comedy and it went quite well. And then I started to talk about Jesus. About 20 guys went up and left for the toilet. 20 men at the same time leaving. I thought, Billy Graham has them come to the front. I have them going to the toilet. And it was like, oh man. It's like, you know, in a pub in Belfast, they give you feedback. They give you instant feedback, yeah? And so I'm getting all of this. But, you know, we had some great conversations I've got to take courage. We've got to have courage, friends. This week at work, you've got all the excuses for not talking about Jesus. You've got every excuse. Of course, you can't do it. Of course, you can't. You've got to be appropriate. I get all of it. But friends, we cannot be fearful. We must be courageous. We must be like, this is worth fighting for. This is something that we are going to believe in. Some of us have lost our courage for the gospel. We've lost our courage for the good news. But we must remember that Jesus went all the way to the cross for us. He took courage and died a horrible death. That we would be bold. You see, when I was a youth pastor in Barnsley, we used to take the young people out after on our... On a Sunday night after church, we took them to this park. And I was looking after these 11 to 14-year-olds, and my wife was, was heavily pregnant, eight and a half months pregnant with our first child. And we were in this park, and this group of guys came down the hill who I found out later had been on drugs, been taking a lot of drugs, and they came and they pushed one of the little 12-year-old girls onto the ground. And there was quite a lot of them. Now, I'm not a courageous guy. I'm not a fighter. I was never a fighter at school. I'm quite a terrified guy, but there was something going on. And as these guys came, suddenly, like moving across the field, I can see that these five or six guys are now around my wife. My wife, who I love. My wife, who I treasure, with her eight-and-a-half-month-old child inside her. And you need to know that something happened. Something happened inside of me. I'm not a fighter. I'm not a brave guy. But suddenly there was a courage that came from the bottom of my soul. And I stepped in front of my wife. In front of all these guys. And I was like, okay guys, no further. I told the young people and my wife to get to the cars. And a couple of lads and we stood there. And we kind of like took a beating. We took a bad beating. But there was something happened inside of me. A courage that came. You see, I want you to understand that courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is when something grows inside of you. that is a conviction that is bigger than your fear. It's bigger than your fear. Suddenly I had this conviction that I wasn't going to allow my wife to be touched by these guys. There was something else going on inside of me. And all friends, we go from this place and we want to win our friends for Jesus. But you need to understand that it's it's scary, it's, it's terrifying. But there's suddenly... A conviction inside of us that we do not want our neighbors and our family to spend forever without God. And a conviction grows up inside of us. And it becomes bigger and greater than our fear. And we begin to speak out the name of Jesus. And we begin to talk to our friends about the Lord. And it's because we have a conviction inside of us that is bigger than our fear. Amen. You see. The Samaritan, he journeyed, he journeyed with this guy. He stuck him on his donkey, took him back to the inn. You know, we must journey with people. Um, I love cooking curries. My wife and me, we cook loads of curries, and we had done this thing i'm sure none of you have ever done this but we put a f- couple of people coming round for dinner and we forgot they were coming and we got a text saying see you in 20 minutes and we're looking ah have you ever done that it's like ah so my wife kicks into action she's like mark get yourself to the supermarket she's writing a little list down sends me off she's hovering and cooking at the same time and it's like amazing I get there and I'm looking at the list and I'm getting all the stuff, quick as I can, and then coconut milk. Coconut milk on the list. And I'm thinking, do you get that with the coconuts? Or do you get that with the milk, yeah? That is a dilemma. You need to write that down. One of the big questions in life, yeah? And I'm like, oh! And so, I ring my wife up. Tamsin, coconut milk. Do you get that with the coconut? Or do you get that with the milk? Now, my wife's a beautiful Christian lady, but when she's busy hoovering and cooking at the same time, do you know what she said? She goes, Mark, you are a fully grown man. Find the coconut milk. And she hung up. Oh yeah. Well, listen, I rang her back. Yeah, I rang her back. I rang her back and said, I will find the coconut milk. And I hung up, yeah? (laughs) If you forget everything else, always get the last word. And that's a joke, that's a joke. And so, I'm thinking, what do you do, what do you do? do And I went to the lady and asked that, asked her. I says, I'm looking for coconut milk. What does she do? She didn't just point. She didn't say, if you go to the dog food and turn right, you should find it around by the leeks. She never said that. I don't know if you can find it there. (laughs) What did she do? She did what all the supermarkets do. She goes, listen, let me take you, yeah? We're journeying. Asda does it, yeah? Um, Tesco's, Sainsbury's. Not at Lidl. But the thing is... Don't try it at Lidl. Lidl has got coconut milk next to the spanners, yeah, next next to the apples. That's what Lidl have got. suddenly realize that if the supermarkets have understood that we can't just point church we've got to wake up and realize that the days of just shouting and saying that Jesus you can find him turn right at Calvary you'll find sanctification and then go left at the cross those days are gone we must journey with people We've got to walk. People have got so many questions. Lots of sexuality questions. They've got lots of questions about other religions. They've got lots of... We must journey with people. We must say, let's go on this journey together. Let's get a few Starbucks in. Let's get a few beers in. Let's chat together and see if we can journey on this together. And then finally, you know, I love this. The oil and the wine see people restored ah oh, i want to see families restored i want to see broken people given testimony and given story of how their life was devastated but now they have been restored the oil and the wine restoring the soul you know, our, our conviction for us today is not just so that we can kind of like get through and kind of like just say, oh, let's see a few more people in church. It's to see men and women and young people completely restored. Amen. Yeah. To see children's lives turned around, to see to see a whole generation suddenly find God for the first time. Oh, I want to see men and women turned around. I I love this, but one of the most humbling things for me this summer was when I was preaching at an event and a lady came to me and she says, Mark, she goes, you preached 15 years ago. I wasn't from a Christian family. I heard the gospel. I responded. She says, now I'm working full time for the church in universities, seeing many people come to faith. And I started to cry, and she goes, you seem emotional, I says, because every single one of those people that you're seeing come to faith, it's like the ripple effect. It's like more people being restored and healed and forgiven. The oil, oh, we want to see people's lives turned around. I want to believe that in this next moment when I just pray for us as the church, I want to believe that we will see many more healed, restored, forgiven. Families turned around. Housing estates in Cambridge turned around in the name of Jesus. I'm driving past houses as I'm coming in this morning. And I'm saying, God. Would you turn these estates around for you? Jesus' name. I would love to pray for us, church. I wonder if we can just stand in the presence of God. God is doing such a good thing amongst you. But all that we would not get comfortable God is blessing you and what great facilities you've got here. But oh, that we would not just get comfortable and get into our little huddle and sail away from the brokenness. But God, that you would open our eyes. Father, as we stand in your presence, oh, we do not want to cover our eyes. We do not want to cross the road. But God, would you would you convict our souls again that we would take courage and speak your name, that we would take boldness and that we would bring the oil of gladness to the devastated and the ruined. Church, I want to pray a prayer as an evangelist over you. I wonder if you could just raise your hands to heaven. Holy God, I pray in this next season, God, that we would see masses come to faith. Holy God, that we would have wonderful stories of whole families, of whole neighborhoods being turned around, of whole areas being turned around in the name of Jesus. That Lord, we would hear wonderful stories of all your life-changing power turning Cambridge around in the name of the Lord. And we'll give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.